0: Welcome to The Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell. I'm an above-average home cook on a mission to help you elevate your everyday meals from ordinary to extraordinary. Aren't you tired of making the same boring meals every week? Well, I've got just the podcast for you. Every Monday episode will inspire you with new and diverse recipes. Together, we'll uncover the dish's rich history, we'll break down the ingredients, and talk through the step-by-step cooking process. Whether you're new to cooking or just looking for some weekly recipe inspo, this is the show for you. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms at The HCG Podcast for additional cooking inspo and show updates. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to The Home Cook's Guide. I'm your host, Megan O'Donnell, and today's recipe, veal milanese, is what I call a perfect date night meal. Any special date night has to check a few boxes. So first and foremost, you know, it must be a treat. It's not your everyday kind of meal. So for me, I kind of consider that as something that I'm spending a little bit more money on, maybe, maybe like a fancy cut of meat, such as like a short rib, veal like we're making today, You know, maybe some crab or red snapper, something that kind of elevates a normal evening. Even a risotto is kind of something that I would consider more of a date night meal because it's something that takes a bit of time, takes a bit of care. It creates a vibe. But sometimes you want to look to elevate your meal just a little bit. And obviously buying a special ingredient is always cheaper than going to a restaurant. So, you know, I generally loosen up my purse strings a little bit when it comes to a special date night meal because come on, this is date night. You're supposed to be having fun, letting loose, if you will. You can obviously always also pair your date night meal with pantry staples or veggies that are on sale or even a protein that you have in your freezer. A lot of times if I see, let's say like a filet mignon or something a little elevated at the grocery store that's on sale and I'm thinking, well, I'm not gonna have any time to cook a filet mignon in the next two days while this is fresh. You throw it in the freezer and it's kind of perfect for a night like this when you're looking to jazz it up a little bit. Obviously, every date night needs a fun beverage. And this can be wine, a cocktail, whatever you're making. It could be a sexy mocktail. Lately, I've been making this lemon, basil, simple syrup, sparkling water little spritz to kind of just make things a little bit fancy when I'm not drinking or even just a sparkling water with a little citrus wedge it could be an orange it could be a lime lemon whatever you've got in the fridge but you need a fun beverage because I'm sorry plain water on date night is not romantic plain water is for during the day it's for before bed it's on the weekends when you're just trying to like get some health in you but date night needs a fun beverage that is a non-negotiable. And obviously within a date night, you need to be sharing this meal with someone who actually deserves your amazing cooking because we are no longer cooking for ungrateful bums. We cannot be doing that. And if this person that you are cooking for doesn't at least offer to do the dishes, and you know what, I'm not a big dishes girl, it's not my favorite thing to do, but if they're not even going to bring their plate to the sink, then you must dump them. That is an order, people. I know not everybody has a partner in their life right now, which is totally fine and been there and done that, but you can also wine and dine yourselves with your own little solo date night. Solo dinners can be very fun. I do know they can also be kind of depressing, depends on how you look at it, but you know what? Get your fun beverage. Take out a nice book that you're reading or that you've, you know, picked up once every three months, read four pages and don't touch. Pick up that book. That could be your dinner date, but you do want to make sure that your date night is with someone who actually deserves it. And last but certainly not least, date night recipes must be a little light and tight people because you want to choose a recipe that doesn't make you run the risk of, you know, no longer having the physical capacity to maybe get a little bit frisky if that's what you're into. No pressure. So if you see the word three cheese in your date night menu, you can just almost guarantee you're headed straight to the bathroom and not the bedroom. I do think this is one of the most important tips of date night because you just don't want to run the risk of, you know, being physically incapacitated after a meal. And again, we've all been there. Take a little breather. Maybe go for a walk after your three cheese macaroni and cheese with pulled pork on top. But this is not that kind of recipe. So today's date night recipe is a veal milanese. A milanese is a way to describe a thin slice of chicken, beef, fish, veal, or sometimes pork that's dipped in egg flour and breadcrumbs and then is fried to basically just utter perfection. You will take your fried meat or fish and then you will top it off with a little simple salad which will come together in one minute and it's kind of the perfect thing to accompany your fried cut of meat or fish. This veal Milanese recipe is based off of Anthony Bourdain's recipe in his book Appetites which also is just an amazing book in general. It's basically like his guide to cooking all of the foods that everyday people love, whether it's a chicken noodle soup or a lasagna, a tuna melt, aso buco. He kind of makes the classic dishes from all cuisines, American, French, Vietnamese, Portuguese, all different types of cultures. He takes their main dish and has you know perfected it and put it in this one book. So I will be linking to the recipe in the show notes, but I honestly also encourage people to buy this book. He also has incredible photography throughout It's not like your everyday cookbook that you're seeing on the shelves at Target now. It's a little bit less polished. It's a little avant-garde. The recipe in the book doesn't have a recipe for the little arugula salad on top. But again, this is going to be just an exercise in winging it. We're going to be trusting our palates, people. And we're going to be trusting our skills in the kitchen. Because again, a date night meal needs to be easy, breezy, beautiful, cover girl. Like We cannot be slaving away for three and a half hours on a date night meal. We've all done it. I've been in the kitchen till 10 o'clock, waiting for this goddamn bolognese to be done. And I, I started at 7 o'clock, without even thinking about how hangry I'm going to be, how hangry my date is going to be. So I must make a, a statement, a, a formal statement, <laughs> because I know people are anti-eating veal. Let's say they have beef with eating veal, no pun intended, actually pun intended, but veal is the meat from a young cow. And so... People have said you know, that that is more inhumane than eating meat from an older animal. And frankly, I, I don't really see the difference. If you're going to eat meat, young or old, it's still eating meat. And so I, I personally don't have any moral high ground when it comes to eating veal. But if you do, later in the episode, I'll let you know what you can swap out for veal in this recipe evidently you know we will be provocateurs on this show eating some meats that people aren't happy with so if that is the case then maybe just skip this episode. That's also fine to do. So let's just jump right into the recipe. This recipe is made for four and it will come together in about 30 minutes start to finish. If it's just two people having this delicious date night then you will be thrilled when you realize you have leftovers here. The piece of resistance of this recipe is the veal. So Anthony Bourdain suggests eight veal legs five to six ounces per chop or cutlet. Any kind of veal will be delicious, but for me I love a bone-in veal chop. Any kind of bone-in piece of meat I feel like adds like a fun elevated energy, making it feel like you're kind of in a restaurant. I will be gnawing on the bone to get every last bite. If you're not comfortable cooking veal, I will say swap in a chicken cutlet, a pork cutlet. Hey, I I mean, you could maybe even do a tofu milanaise. I'm not really comfortable. I'm not really too familiar with cooking tofu. I have before, but I've never really fried it in this capacity. But go wild, go rogue. It's your kitchen. It's not mine. So why don't you try it out and let me know. We're going to be wanting to really make this piece of meat as thin as possible. We're going to be looking for about a fourth of an inch of thickness in the cutlet. So how do we get that? Well, that is what a meat mallet is for. And if you don't have a meat mallet, you can use a heavy bottom skillet pan, a wine bottle, a rolling pin, anything that really can be used to help beat your meat. Again, I walked into that one. And you'll just use it to pound the meat really thin, which will help it tenderize and soften the meat before we actually end up cooking it. And one other kind of tip when you are beating your meat, (laughs) you're going to want to make sure that you're placing the cutlet or the chop between two pieces of plastic wrap, just so that you can control any meat splattering during the pounding. Um, And it also helps just to kind of keep the meat from not tearing apart from the impact of the meat mallet, wine bottle, whatever you're using. So that's our veal, our piece de resistance, the best part of this recipe. And then the rest are things you probably already have in your refrigerator or your pantry. So we're going to need two eggs, and you're going to beat them together with a pinch of salt and pepper. Put that aside. Then we're going to have panko breadcrumbs, and we're going to have two cups of those panko breadcrumbs. And so panko, if you're not familiar, is a flaky and crispy light breadcrumb that's often used within Japanese cuisine. The Japanese version of this kind of dish is called a tonkatsu, but do not worry. We will be making a proper tonkatsu curry recipe on this show Lean in with using panko for our Milanese. Of course, if you don't have panko available to use, just use regular breadcrumbs. But a lot of the crunch that I crave in a Milanese is coming from the lightness that you get from the airy panko breadcrumbs. So panko is generally a little bit of a larger size breadcrumb. And because they're larger, it means it can hold more moisture as a binder or a filler. And it also, another great perk about panko is that when it fries, it tends to stay crispy a little longer. Which is a really great bonus for the leftovers that you may or may not have. Again, this recipe is amazing. So depending on how crazy you're getting, you might eat it all. But I try to practice... Uh, moderation I guess that's the word Um, when it comes to dishes like this because I know how happy it'll make me the next day when I eat you know my delicious veal Milanese on a sandwich or just you know with the same side salad that we're making for this. Moving on now we're going to need one cup of finely grated Parmesan and so of course I always encourage using real cheese from the block instead of something pre-shredded or pre-packaged if you don't have parmesan if you have pecorino grana padano that always works but again pecorino is salty so we want to make sure that we're being mindful of the salt that we're putting on our cutlets in the eggs and in the flour mixture moving on to our flour mixture we have one cup of all-purpose flour here simple simple and we're going to be putting the flour in a rimmed baking dish and you're going to be salting that with just salt and pepper then we need peanut oil for our frying so we're going to have two cups of oil for the frying Generally when we're frying, we're going to want to stay away from olive oil because the olive oil will impart too much delicious olive oily flavor to whatever you're frying. So peanut oil, vegetable oil, canola oil, grapeseed oil are really good alternatives for frying. So if you don't have peanut oil, one of those options are definitely great. Of course, if you only have olive oil, use that, it's fine. So you're not gonna want to use frying oil as a topping on any kind of salad. So we'll talk about that later when we get to our arugula salad, which speaking of, Arugula is our next ingredient for this dish. So we're going to be wanting to use a bitter, light, dainty green for our side salad. So this is the time for, you know, arugula, spinach, maybe a dandelion green, a frise, get crazy out there. I wouldn't want a kale with this because kale can be a little overly chewy, and that's not really the point. This little side salad is really just there to add a delicious freshness to complement the fattiness of our veal cutlet. We're gonna need a little bit of lemon juice from the salad and you know everybody has some lemons at their house. And then we're going to need some good quality olive oil for drizzling. And again, as I mentioned before, the peanut oil, vegetable, canola, that is not for putting onto a salad. And honestly, there are different variations of olive oils, some of which are main specifically for drizzling onto raw food and some olive oil is meant to be for cooking. And then also the best part of any salad, if you ask me, is some cheese. For this recipe, we needed to have parmesan for the panko parmesan crust that we're going to be making. So if you have a little bit of parmesan, that is perfect. Or you can use any other kind of medium to hard cheese that you have. Whether it's you know a feta cheese, maybe even a goat cheese, a ricotta salada, a comte, manchego. Anything that is a little bit firm, we're not going to want something runny here, whether that's a burrata or a brie. Those will not work, so save those for another time. And if you have a traditional four-sided cheese grater, which every home should have, I think I have four or five of them. When I moved the last time, I got rid of a couple of the cheese graters because it became a problem. But you're going to want to use... The one side of the cheese grater that has the single wide opening, that will help you get sheets of the Parmesan, which I feel is kind of elegant and adds, you know, a fun different type of texture and shape to your salad. And again, if you don't have a four-sided cheese grater and if you don't have that single wide opening on your cheese grater, just grate it normally. It's fine. Again, we're not here for perfection. We're here to have an amazing meal with a loved one or that loved one might be yourself. So that's all people, that's all of our ingredients to make this amazing dish. And because a lot of this stuff are things you probably already have, you're not gonna have that much food waste, which is always a win. We're gonna have the eggshells from our two eggs. So we're gonna wanna crush those up and throw them into your compost. And when you are composting eggshells, you always wanna make sure you're crushing them up before you put them into the compost bag. Because the larger the shells, the longer it will take to actually break down into the compost and then ultimately into your soil. You may have some leftover eggs, some of the panko cheese mixture and the flour, but you could just put that in the trash because it's been contaminated with raw meat. And frankly, there's no use for that in a compost to nourish future soil or any sort of future consumption. You may have some lemon carcasses after squeezing it into your salad. So we're going to throw that into your stock compost. Lemon always imparts a delicious flavor to any kind of meat or vegetable stock that you're making in the future. Then we have leftover cooking oil, which is kind of like an age-old issue. It's the bane of my existence because I just wish I could just put it down the drain and pretend it didn't exist anymore. And do not get me wrong, I've done that about 62,000 times Pouring oil down your drains is a really quick way to clog your pipes and ultimately can lead to them possibly bursting. Generally when I'm dealing with oil I kind of have like a big coffee container underneath my sink where I'll put old oil and then from there I'll just throw it out in the regular trash. I don't know where it goes into the world of trash, probably some trash island somewhere, um, but again I guess it's better than putting it down the pipes. I, I don't know. That That's like pick-your-poison kind of situation. And if you do put it down your drain, um, I won't tell. All right. We've done it. We're moving on to the cooking portion of our show. So first things first, we're going to put our oven on at 200. And we're just going to have that so that we can keep the veal warm after we cook each cutlet. So we're going to have to do a couple batches to get through all of the meat. Once the cutlet is done frying in the oil, we're going to put it onto a sheet pan with a cooling rack on top, and we're gonna put them one by one into the oven just so that they stay warm while you're finishing up all the frying as well as making your your fun salad and any other sides that you may fancy. So before we do anything else, we're gonna wanna make sure we salt and pepper both sides of our veal so that they could be seasoning while we're prepping the other ingredients. That is the rule of thumb across any recipe so now we're ready to prep our eggs flour and breadcrumbs so we're going to have three different rimmed plates or bowls whatever you've got where we're going to be dredging into all three so first things first we're going to have our flour which we have already seasoned with salt and pepper we have our eggs which we've seasoned with salt and pepper and then we have our breadcrumb mixture so at this point you're going to take your two cups of panko and one cup of parmesan and you're going to mix that together From there, we will start the process, which can oftentimes be a little bit messy. So I generally either stick to using one hand and having a tea towel next to me that I can kind of wipe my hand off after each one, or I use tongs across all of it. So do whatever you'd like, but... Oftentimes this can get messy and get a little skeevy, but it's also something that a kid can even do. I remember doing this with my mom and grandma a lot. And granted, you know, you make a complete mess and you get flour all over your pants and there's flour over the floor. And as I'm saying this out loud, this is like the antithesis of what a romantic, fun date night is. So maybe keep your kids out of the kitchen for any kind of date night recipes. But on a day-to-day, if you're making a regular chicken cutlet, it's a fun little wholesome thing for a kid to get involved in, if I do say so myself. So we're going to have our flour, we're going to have our eggs, and we have our panko. So we're going to dredge our seasoned veal into the flour on both sides. And we're just going to want to make sure that we're tapping off the excess flour so that you're not getting any bites of raw flour when you're eating the final dish. Then we'll take our cutlet and dunk it into the egg, again, on both sides. You'll let the excess egg fall back into the bowl. Again, we don't want it to be super runny, super messy. No, we want it to be clean, spick, and spam. Then we'll put the egg dredged cutlet directly into our panko and we're gonna wanna do both sides. But with this step, we're going to definitely need to use your hands because we wanna make sure we're really packing in the panko so that it adheres to the egg. We want that to not be falling off. We want it to be a pretty sturdy cutlet when we put it into our frying pan. And people, at this point, we're done. So once you do that for all of your veal, then you are now ready to start frying. So for me, I like to make sure all of my veal is prepped and ready to go by the time I'm frying. Because the frying kind of happens pretty quickly, about three minutes per side, it's really not enough time to be doing your dredging, doing your mixtures, and focusing on the frying. We want to be able to watch what's happening to make sure things aren't burning too quickly. So speaking of, we're going to be wanting to hit about 375 for the oil in the pan. So some people might have, you know, one of those like thermaguns and you're able to quickly check the temperature of the oil or you can use a candy thermometer, which is just another tool to measure the heat within oil or any kind of liquid that you're cooking with. But we just want to make sure that it's not too aggressively hot or else you'll run the risk of burning your cutlets too quickly. That has happened many a time. (laughs) <laughs> because it's just natural so we just want to make sure again it's hot but not too hot which yeah how how helpful is that piece of information <laughs> and you're going to want to place them down into the oil away from yourself so that the hot oil doesn't splash back onto you and ruin your cute date night outfit So if we're going to be cooking eight actual pieces of this, we want to give each cutlet a little bit of space to cook because when you crowd the pan, it ends up just decreasing the temperature of the oil in the pan, which means your meat won't have the space to crisp up, which is what we're looking for. It'll just get soggy in the warmer oil and take longer to cook, so we're not going to get that crispy delicious texture that we're wanting and that we're clearly aiming for by using panko if you put too many pieces in one skillet at a time. So this is also why we're keeping the oven on so that we could take our time and do the batches with our due diligence rather than rushing it so that they're all hot and ready to go at the same time. We're going to have each cutlet cook for about three minutes on each side. Then as I mentioned you're going to take them off and put them on the cooling rack one by one in the oven to stay warm. In a dream world, in a dream kitchen, you would have a wire rack that fits perfectly onto your baking sheet so that you can put your cutlets directly onto that. Because it's a wire rack, it allows for oxygen to be going underneath the cutlet so that one side of the cutlet doesn't get soggy while it's just waiting on a regular baking sheet. And again, if you only have a baking sheet, that's amazing. Don't worry. But it's just like another fun little tip. If you do have one, go forth and use it. Why not? So once your veal is all fully cooked, it's going to be snug as a bug in a rug in our little oven while we make our quick little salad. So again, as I mentioned, there's no recipe for this. So this is just going to be an exercise in having some fun. We're going to take a few handfuls of arugula. Of course, be realistic on how many people you're cooking for and how much salad your partner actually eats. And then we'll want to start with about a tablespoon of olive oil, a squeeze of fresh lemon, always watching for seeds, and just a little bit of salt and pepper. We're going to mix that together, and then you can kind of just adjust for your liking. Is it too lemony? Try to add a little bit more oil. Is it too oily? Try to add a little bit more salt and lemon. Too salty? Well, you're screwed. You did that to yourself. And grab another handful and mix it up a little bit more and hope that, (laughs) hope the salt is spread amongst um, fresh arugula leaves to hopefully cut the saltiness a little bit but again always watch your salt because you can always add but you can never take away what a sad sad reality in this life and generally I don't mix the cheese in when I'm doing the dressing mix for my salads I usually like to keep it separate and then sprinkle it on top especially in this case I'm suggesting doing these those little sheets of parmesan so we don't want them to break apart because I do like how it looks to have the sheets on there I think it just looks elegant. And again, this is date night, keep it sexy. And we want sexy Parmesan cheese on top of this cutlet. And if it's tomato season, chop up some tomatoes and add them there as well. The moisture from the tomatoes will soak into the cutlets as well, which will just add an additional boost of flavor to our already very flavorful dish. From here, people, we will take our veal out of the oven. And depending on how you like to plate your food, you can either top your meat with the simple salad, which is how I like to do it, Or put it on the side, however you want. Go wild with any other kind of side dish you want. Your girl loves mashed potatoes, and I feel like that would be just delicious here. And at this point, we're going to grab our beverage. We're going to call our partner from the other room and say, get to the table. Dinner served, baby and just dig in and have an amazing meal. This flanky panko-crusted veal dish just will melt in your mouth. The acidity of the lemony salad dressing will cut that heaviness of the chicken cutlet, and if you're anything like me, you will literally be doing a happy dance while eating every single bite. It brings me a lot of joy cooking simple and easy meals on special nights, because again, nothing is worse than when you pick a super ornate recipe for a dinner date, And you're in the kitchen and it's 9.45, still cooking, there's mess everywhere, you're pissed off, maybe you've had a couple glasses of wine, so now you're pissed and a little drunk. And oftentimes the excitement for the dish that you're making may dissipate very quickly if you're hangry. So my advice for a sexy date night is just to make something quick, special, and easy so you could spend the rest of your night having quality time with your partner or yourself. (laughs) Go off. I hope you enjoy this episode and try out this recipe. Shoot me an email at megan at thehcgpodcast.com with your thoughts or any tips and tricks on how I can make this recipe even more delicious in the future. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Home Cook's Guide. If you're loving the show, leave me a five-star rating and a glowing review. You can also follow me on social media at thehcgpodcast.com. Or shoot me an email at megan at thehcgpodcast.com. And let's not forget, I spell my name the right way, M-E-G-A-N. Got any good recipes? Send them my way, please. And be sure to tune in every week for more delicious recipes.